On this special episode of Destroy the Shield Generator, James asks, was Star Wars Rebels even a good show? We are between seasons right now, but since James finished watching Rebels, we want to recap our thoughts on the show and even some of our very favorite moments. Now, this episode has a little bit of a different feel to it compared to a normal episode of Destroy the Shield Generator, but we had a lot of fun making it, and we think that you're going to enjoy it too. So... All that and more, starting now. Hey, everybody. This is Joseph from the future popping in once again. Just to let you know that in case the title or the earlier description of the episode didn't give it away, we are about to spoil, I think, absolutely everything that ever happens in the TV show Star Wars Rebels. If you or anyone in your vicinity thinks even a little bit that they may ever want to watch this show... Uh, please don't listen to this episode. This show has so many good moments, and I'm sure that we are about to spoil absolutely every single one of them. So this is your warning. The show is going to follow after the beep. Thanks, everybody. Let's do the thing. All right. Well, hey, uh, welcome back. This is this is our first like special episode, uh, an episode between episodes. Joseph, they've all been special episodes. They. Oh, that's true. I guess from a certain point of view. Um, hey. hey um, did you get my pun, by the way, when I said an episode between episodes? I did not get your pun. Because like in Rebels, there's like a world between worlds. And so this is like an episode between episodes. Uh, spoilers, everybody. Yeah. We'll be talking about that later, I'm sure. But yeah, this is our like Star Wars Rebels recap. So this doesn't fit into like a traditional season. But, James, you finally finished Rebels, and we're just going to talk about it. I finally finished Rebels. How long did it take you to finish Rebels? Uh, two months? It's not bad, all things considered. All things considered. Children and work and moving. But yeah, I guess two months isn't that long, all things considered. Um, I will say this. I feel like I finished it in the timing that I did because my goal was to finish it. More than to enjoy it. Mm. And I guess if all of these are framed around me asking the Star Wars expert in my life a question, I have to ask, was Rebels actually good? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I'm glad you made a question out of this because we're, we're sticking with tradition here. Um, was Rebels actually good? I would say yes, it was. But that's me, a Star Wars fan. What would you say to the question of if Rebels is good? Well, I want you to clarify first, because they're like, okay, there's good, and then there's like good. Gotcha. So if we're talking good, let's use Star Wars as a scale. Like, here's our spectrum. Here's our continuum. Okay. And on one end, <laughs> you have Attack of the Clones. Okay. And on the other end, you have the Phantom Menace, the Last Jedi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which was the best of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Universally accepted as the best. Is it? But okay. <laughs> no, not even close. That's <laughs> okay. just not here. What's the universally accepted best one? Empire. Empire. Right. So you have the universally worst Star Wars to the universally best Star Wars. Yeah. Where does where does Attack of the Clones fall? If like if they're both <laughs> good. Where where does where does that fall? You just asked where does Attack of the Clones fall? Where does Rebels fall? Okay. Because you, 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 like, you misspoke, yeah. Uh, where does it fall? Um, for me, I would rather watch Rebels than Attack of the Clones. Okay. And then, like, certainly with, like, some of, like, the very, very, very best moments of Rebels, which we'll talk about later, they are among the very best moments in all of Star Wars for me. In fact, I think that my number one in Rebels is also my number one in all Star Wars media. So I would say, genuinely, Rebels is, like, very good. I don't know where to place it between the movies because that's such a different – that's, like, a different scale. Okay. 
I guess if we're just doing like a sliding scale of like, is it closer to Empire than it is to Attack oh, yeah. of the Clones? Oh, yeah. I think so. By a lot? By quite a bit, yes. Okay. I would say that it's up there in quality um, amongst the very best movies. Mm. Let me put it this way, in fact. Okay. And maybe this would be a better comparison. I think that... I think that the Clone Wars, which you've also seen now, um, as of a couple months ago. Yes. Um, I think that the Clone Wars has a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a better premise, but like a, like a cooler story to follow because there are so many more recognizable characters throughout that story. Uh, so obviously the Clone Wars is enjoyable. We've said that ad nauseum on episodes. But I think that like on a per episode basis, like if you were to take like the median uh, or I guess the average like Rebels episode, I think it's better than the average Clone Wars episode. Wow. That's bold. It's pretty bold, I know. But I think that once Rebels gets going, I think I think two things. Number one, it is a very cohesive story around a very cohesive group of people. And then number two, there's no filler. Every episode is tied to this larger narrative, whereas the Clone Wars, like, as good as the Clone Wars is, you can have, like, these three or four episode arcs that, like, when they're done, you're just like, okay, like, I don't really care what happened on that one planet. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, Rebels is a lot more, um, is, is, is the term serial, right? Where, like, serialized, mm -hmm. uh, where it fits together. And I, I love that about it. It makes it, in my opinion, like a, I think a better show, like, episode per episode. I think, I think that the Clone Wars has, obviously, the Clone Wars has moments that outshine you know, large amounts of Rebels, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think pound for pound, Rebels is a really high quality show. See, I miss those arcs that the Clone Wars had. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed that you'd have like these weird diversions from the main plot that were like ancillary to the main plot. Yeah. Because the whole point of the Clone Wars is that it's just like one big ancillary thing to the main plot. Sure, that's true. Also, you said that the Clone Wars had all these recognizable characters, more recognizable characters than Rebels. I'd argue that maybe it didn't. Ooh, run with that. What do you mean? Because you still have Maul, you still have Obi-Wan, you have Palpatine, you have Vader, you have Ahsoka, mm -hmm. thanks to the Clone Wars. Like Those are some pretty big names right there. They're just not used a whole lot. You know, they even bring in... They even bring in Lando. There's, there's lots of recognizable people that weren't just maximized. They left a lot on the table in the Rebels. There's a lot of cards that they didn't play. And I wanted them to play them. Sure. So I think that might be where I was a little bit disappointed in Rebels, because I think I was expecting more of that. Gotcha. So to answer my own question, was Rebels actually good? Yes. Sure. <laughs> question mark? <laughs> yeah. More context to my response of like, sure, are some other questions. Okay. There's two that jump out to me immediately. Okay. One is, why was Obi-Wan so much older in this than he was in The Clone Wars? Yeah. Something's weird in this timeline here, right? Yeah. Two, why did Yoda look so weird when he shows up <laughs> in Rebels? Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's, yeah, the Obi-Wan thing is, is legit because between the end of episode three and episode four, just sticking with the movies, um, it's, it's 19 years. So you need to, you need, you need to, <laughs> between Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness is 19 years. Doesn't feel like it. No. And I guess that's not the Rebels people's fault. Exactly, right? They just chose to jump him forward to, like, full Alec Guinness. Right. They just pushed the Ewan, Ewan McGregor out of there. Yeah. And for what it's worth, just from a canonical point of view, Rebels is about four to five years before episode four, uh, from what I remember. Okay. So we're, like, you know, a couple years out from legit like Alec Guinness being on uh being on film. Okay, so that's fair. 
that helps my Obi-Wan conundrum. So what we're saying is, is that the, the Obi-Wan that we see in Rebels, as old as he looks, is just 15 years older than what <laughs> Ewan McGregor is supposed to be. <laughs> that makes sense. Hey, here's a good question. Okay, before we get to Yoda or after? Before we get to Yoda. Okay. When did episode three come out? Episode three released? I uh, I think it's like 2003, 2004? So 16-ish years ago. <gasps> so technically, Ewan McGregor should look and talk like Alec Guinness today. Okay. I can confirm that he does not look so- or talk. <laughs> So let me just find a, let me just, I'm going to Google here. Ewan McGregor 2020, go to images. Um, it's just going to be a picture of it lo- Guinness. He lo- <laughs> That was going to be my joke. I was going to send you a picture of Alec Guinness um, and then be like, here's what it, here's what happened. No, he looks like Ewan McGregor. Okay. He just looks like prime Ewan McGregor. Prime. You said that with a little glint in your eye there, Joseph. This is a podcast. You can't see me. Well, of course we can see each other. The listener can't see you. Do you know how podcasts work? Yes, I do know how podcasts work. I was hoping to use how podcasts work against you in that moment, but I see that it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next question. Yes. Why did Yoda look so weird? I have no idea. <laughs> and I completely agree with you. Yoda does look pretty bad in this show. Um, if you were to... Okay, I'm going to pull up a picture of Yoda in Rebels. Um, and let's try to... What's a good adjective to describe Yoda in, in Rebels? Let me send this to you while I'm, while I'm here so we can reference the same image. Um, the first word that comes to my mind is round. Yeah, I was going to say round. He looks like a tennis ball. <laughs> he does. Yeah. His head is, uh, his head is so much taller. It's so much more circular. Yeah. Oh, you know, like, do you remember when people used to put the jack in the box things on their antennas on their cars? <gasps> yeah. We had one of those when I was growing up. Or a super round. And then you had like the pointy hat and yeah. the pointy nose. I bet if there's a certain angle that you tilted that at and painted it green, it would look like this Yoda. Because mm. you got that two, it's like a perfectly circular ball with two pointy ears. Yeah. Okay. So follow-up question. If I found like an antenna topper of Yoda from Rebel's head, would you put it on your car? No, because I just sold my car. Okay. Would you put it on your wife's car? Of course I would, because I don't have to drive it. Okay, good. <laughs> And my uh, kids would love it. Oh, I bet they would. They call him Oda. Oda. Baby yeah. Oda. Baby Oda. Love it. So why did Yoda look so weird? Because. I don't know. The, the funny thing about the, how Yoda looks in Rebels, though, is that that's like kind of a meme uh, like on Star Wars Reddit and on Star Wars Rebels Reddit and stuff. Okay. It's like, what'd they do to my boy Yoda? Like that's, <laughs> that, is a, that is a common refrain. Um, so you are not alone. You are not alone in thinking that he looks awful in Rebels. All right. Good to know. Yeah. And uh, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that you know, it didn't ruin the show, but I feel like that's an embodiment of mm. things that were wrong with the show. Sure. Sure. It was kind of like the uncanny valley of Star Wars. Yeah. Can I actually give you, there's an, there's another example or two of that in Rebels. The one that, uh, one that comes up a lot is that in Rebels, they've got really thin lightsabers. Is that something that you noticed? I noticed that. That was weird to me. Yeah. I, I never really got used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I okay. Uh, let me put it this way. I kind of, like, I stopped thinking about it, like, the more Rebels that I watched. But then I would I would watch, like, something else, Star Wars, like a movie, and see, like, a regular lightsaber and be like, oh, it looks so much cooler. It looks so much better. And then it would, like, start all over. If I go back to watching Rebels, it's like, oof. Yeah. I got as used to the lightsabers in Rebels as I got to as the running in the Clone Wars. The running in the Clone <laughs> Wars. That's right. That animation. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, that's weird. Oh, yeah, it's Clone Wars. Oh, that's weird, lightsaber. 
Oh, because it's Rebels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just weird. For sure, yeah. And also uh, Vader's helmet in Rebels is, yeah. is like is like taller, yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of like uh, Yoda's head. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So, and in all reality, the one question I could ask that explains why Rebels wasn't better to me. Mm-hmm. Why weren't Ahsoka and or Vader in every episode of this show? Mm. One of the two of them. Should have been in every episode, but they were in like not a lot of them. I think the answer is just that it's not their show. Bah, bah, bah. Like, okay, so here's here's the argument, right? Do you want Ahsoka to show up in every episode of The Mandalorian? Sure. Okay, here's but, the difference. But, but okay, you you know what I'm about to say, right? Is that it's not The Mandalorian at that point, like, right? Like, it's it, the Ahsoka. Yeah. <laughs> the Ahsoka. <laughs> yes. Okay. What's your counterpoint? My counterpoint is, and I guess it's not a counterpoint. It makes it my own fault. I was expecting a show that took place between episodes three and four to feature a lot of Vader. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of him. That's fair. There was some. I also knew that Ahsoka was alive and knew that she would show up in Rebels. I thought she was going to be in it a lot. So I kept waiting for like, ah, here's where the Ahsoka Invader stuff comes up. And there was like a few episodes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, Rawr. like I started to expect it to kind of like branch off in the way that the Clone Wars did. Sure. Where I'd see like an Ahsoka arc and then I'd see like, you know, a Vader oh, arc gotcha. or whatever, but it stayed consistent to the plot yeah. dealing with like the liberation of Lethal, which cool. Good for Lethal. Yay. Yeah. But like. <laughs> That's not what I was signing up for. And maybe if I knew I wasn't signing up for the other stuff, I'd have been like, Brad, this show is great. Mm-hmm. But you but you would. <laughs> you, you were. But I was. Yeah. And that's Star Wars' fault. It's... They didn't do what I wanted them to do. Gotcha. That's okay. not, that, actually, that's Star Wars' problem in a nutshell right there, right? Is that they don't do what James Walker wants it to do? Not me. They don't do what the fanboys want them to do. Oh, sure. Sure. And then they try to do what the fanboys want them to do, and you end up with whatever that last movie was called, and you're just like, what just happened? <laughs> what was any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I can see so that. Not, was Rebels actually good? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Here's kind of a, here's kind of a fun question, because I, I, I looked this up uh, a few minutes before we started recording, and the, the, the answer to this actually kind of blew me away. And I, I want your, uh, I want your like quick response, like the first number that comes to your head and we'll, we'll see, cause I would have been way off if that helps at all. But I, I want to see what your sort of impression is at the end of this show. How many episodes of Rebels are there in total? Hit it. What, 55. What you, okay. 55. Okay. It's close. That means I'm not close. No. I got you figured out. Uh, you got one of the digits correct, but it is 75. That's not that far off. I was only off by a quarter of the show. That's why I said you were, (laughs) that's why I said you were close. But when you say close, I'm not close. You're not really close though. No. Gosh. What was your guess? What were you expecting? More or less? I literally, I don't know. This is dumb and bad, but I would have guessed in like my, my brain said the forties and I know that's wrong. I, there, there's four seasons, and so the number tell four your brain was in my to head. get it right, man. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but okay. So, so here's the point I'm trying to make. If if there's even a point to be made, but here's like where I think my brain is at because the clone, or sorry, dang it, because Rebels is it's hard, right? That's it hard is, to get right. It really is. <laughs> it it really is. Uh, because Rebels is serialized and one cast of character, like like it feels like so much shorter of a show than the Clone Wars. Which it does. If okay, what's your guess for how many Clone Wars episodes there are? One hundred and twenty. You're okay. That's like sincerely very close. Uh, there's a hundred and thirty-three. Hey, it's pretty good. It's pretty great. And hey, you know what's you know what's amazing about that, especially, is that before season seven, you would have been off by one. Oh, uh, see, see, I was only thinking through season six. Oh, uh, you know how you do. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking the pre-disney plus era like all the rest of us yeah Man. i just went through this very like 
complex thought process. Of course, yeah, a very elaborate. <laughs> you ran down yeah. each of the arcs because you loved each of them so much. Yes. You're watching the Clone Wars going, I love that they just do arcs and they should do every cartoon like this. Give me more Jar Jar in the underwater kingdom. Yes. With the lightsabers work somehow. That's uh-huh. another episode. Different episode, yeah. Yep. Sorry, we'll save everybody. that for season two. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, get back to that point though, right? The Clone Wars feels like such a longer show than Rebels. And it is, again, it is literally, it is considerably longer. But for me, like, it felt like the first time I watched Rebels, it, it, it was after it had mostly aired and I hadn't seen it before. Um, so I, anyway, my point is I didn't have to wait for the episodes to air on TV. I felt like I blasted through Rebels in like a week. You probably did, knowing you. I mean, I probably did, but like... <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I blasted through it in a week because I did. <laughs> right. Fair. <laughs> but but then consider this. I probably blasted through the Clone Wars at sort of the same rate, but it feels like the Clone Wars took me months. I I feel the same way. So I know what you mean. Yeah. But it's almost twice as long. That's significant. It it's yeah, it's almost twice as long, but it felt like it took me five times as long to watch it. Mm. And I, I think that that's like coming kind of coming back to that, my like my point is like Rebels being a cohesive story makes it more like palatable and enjoyable and easier to follow and easier to binge for me. And none of those things necessarily make it better or worse, but I think those mm-hmm. are all just facts for me. So opinions. <laughs> all right. So let's transition here. Let's transition. We talked about the show, generally speaking. You know, and then you mentioned like you liked the plot. I did. And the plot basically is like, let's save Lethal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's some hijinks and some diversions that happen in the midst of that and people that they need to rescue and yeah, people blah, die. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Darth Maul trying to recruit him as a Sith. Yeah. You know, that's all in there. But generally speaking, they're going to Lethal. Yeah. And they're joining. I think that you could summarize, like the main synopsis is like the rebellion that we see in the in the original trilogy is like coalescing and like coming together. And so you have all these different like factions and cells and our group is one of them. And they're all kind of forming up as the show goes on. Yes. So there it is. And then you also talked about moments. Yeah. That has some of your favorite moments in all of Star Wars. It, it really does. Yes. All right. I think we ought to talk about the moments. And you, you organized this little activity. So why don't you help to introduce and kick this off? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we talked before we started recording and we thought like, hey, one of the, something fun that we could do as we recap Rebels is to count down uh, like our favorite moments from the show. And so what we're going to, what we're going to do here is we each came up with sort of uh, our top five moments in all of Star Wars Rebels. Um, and we have some, honor- we'll start off with some honorable mentions um, and then we'll, we'll alternate uh, starting with, I don't know who wants to, st- it doesn't matter who starts, but our number five, the other person's number five, and then fours, threes, twos, and ones. So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty straightforward, I think, explanation. Do you want to, like, l- let's do it where, obviously, like, let's explain a little bit about what we enjoy about the moment. Um, and then we we don't know each other's lists. We, we've been keeping it kind of spoiler-free uh, between the two of us. Let's pretend that, like, you steal, not steal, but, like, you say one of mine that's lower on my list. Should we say at that moment, oh, that was my number one or my number two? Or should we just save it and then say later on my number one or my number two is, I think we just save it, right? Yeah, let's save it. Okay, cool. Sounds good. And then the the responder says... Here's why I had it higher than you. Yeah, and here's why you're wrong, James. Wow. So, sounds good. No, I, I like it. <laughs> Story of our relationship right there. That's right. All right, who wants to go first? To do, I will start with my honorable mentions, and I'll, I'll put both of my honorable mentions on the table at the same time. Okay, good. 
Like Sound it. good? Yeah. So my honorable mentions are one, all things Darksaber. Like Darksaber is there in the Clone Wars. It's cool. It's a thing. But it like finds this whole new level in Rebels that I thought was awesome. Next honorable mention, and this was hard for me because it was one of the most impactful moments of the show. Kanan dying, or you could say giving his life for the others. And that's also closely linked to Ezra not saving him mm-hmm. in whatever that world between worlds thing was. Yeah. So those two together, Kanan dying for everybody and then Ezra choosing not to save him while reliving that moment. Amazing. So good. Yeah, those are those are both amazing. Let me talk about my honorable mentions here. Um, I had... Um, I had I had a, a few I had more I have six but they're all like really brief so it's not going to take a long time. Um, number one uh, is just the whole idea of the loath wolf and their presence, especially towards the end of the show. I love that um, they kind of hinted this, but they had been thought extinct um, for for generations. And they make their reappearance to help the the rebels, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of take this like role of like Mother Earth, right? They're 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 reemerging to protect the the physical planet from the destruction of the Empire. So I just think that's an amazing, uh, a really cool thing. Uh, another honorable mention, also the dark saber, um, like you said, um, seeing it stolen from Darth Maul. Um, and then especially seeing Sabine uh, take it yeah. and like own her heritage and her her power um to be a force for justice after she has all these regrets from earth it's just it's so well done um honorable mention number three i love the reveal of fulcrum at the end of season one uh to see uh, ahsoka descend uh that staircase or the ladder you know you're like you said you're kind of you're anticipating ahsoka's got to be in here somewhere um, and it's kind of hinted that Fulcrum is Ahsoka by the fact that Fulcrum's symbol are the same symbols that are on Ahsoka's head. It looks exactly like Ahsoka. It literally looks like Ahsoka, <laughs> but none of us noticed while we were watching the show. Um, it's only something you see afterwards. Uh, number four, honorable mention, is uh, Darth Vader um, in his prime. And this is mm-hmm. sort of a sort of a running theme, and you were talking about this earlier. Uh, but every single time Darth Vader shows up in this show, he is he is at his peak, um, and he is the most menacing villain, uh, the most powerful uh, villain you could possibly imagine. There's that one amazing shot at the beginning of season two where he gets smashed under the the walker, mm-hmm. and he's lifting it up, and you see like the strain in his body as he's climbing back up, and he's got flames in the background, and his lightsaber is ignited. It's just such a cool scene. Uh, it just gives you the chills watching that, you know? Honorable mention number five is uh, the Palpatine hologram uh, towards the end of the show where he's trying to lure Ezra into letting him into the world between worlds. Um, and he looks all like good. Uh, he like, he looks like healthy. Um, and you can see he's trying to like, uh, seduce Ezra in the way that he seduced Anakin and so forth. But as the temple is collapsing, Ezra brings it down to save the world between worlds from Palpatine. You see that hologram kind of flash in and out between like, clean Palpatine and like mangled scarred Palpatine. And it's just, it's just really well done. And then the last honorable mention is that literally the epilogue of the show, um, seeing a couple years in the future, um, after even episode six has occurred, uh, Ahsoka and Sabine head out to find Ezra. Um, and I think this is really beautiful. You have this image of the sit, the capital city of Lothal with all those tall white spires. Um, and that's actually like a callback to like a vision that Ezra has mm-hmm. about like this utopian, like fixed future beyond the empire. And so it's this very literal representation of like freedom has, has kind of come for real. And I just think that that's beautiful. So anyway, those are my honorable menchies. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Honorable menchies. I've never heard that one before. Oh, well, that's a, that's a term that I've just coined. 
Um, <laughs> feel free to use it from now on if you want to. <laughs> yeah. All right. And on that honorable mention note, there's got to be more of this show to come, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The epilogue thing. Um, it was rumored for a long time last year because it was around uh, last year that they announced Star Wars Resistance was ending after two seasons. And they've always run with a Star Wars cartoon. Like, that's been the case even before Disney had them with the Clone Wars. So, like, everyone's speculating, like, what is the Star Wars cartoon going to be come, you know, fall 2020? And it turns out there just isn't going to be one this year. But um, we all thought it was going to be a Rebels 2, basically, and Mm. follow up on Ahsoka and Sabine trying to search for Ezra. Yeah, there's got to be more to this story. I can't wait for it either. Just not yet. Just not yet. We not are we, we yet. are getting the bad batch, um, but that's not coming until next year. Boo. Uh, I mean, sure, cool, yay, but yeah. come sooner. All right. Okay. My number five. Your number five. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Loath everything. Yes. You brought up the loath wolf. Yep. Let's lump that into it as well. But you had like some artistic and beautiful reasoning for it. I just loved the fact that they took animals and they called them loath things. <laughs> loath wolf. Loath cat. Loath, loath cat. L- loath bird. What, I'm going to search Wikipedia real quick and I'm just going to type like, in. I just, you know, the like scientists discovering new animals and stuff and they're like, what are we going to name this? Yeah. They're just like, let's call it the same thing it's called on Earth, but just put loath in front of yeah. it. Yeah. Also, loath, uh, loath bat is a thing. Not surprised. Yeah. I think those are the only, the only, the only three animals. Uh, is there a loath penguin? Um, let me check. Um, Wikipedia. Yes, indeed, there is a loath penguin. There it is. Yeah. So, yes, the concept of the loath animal. I love the, the loath, loath creature. The loath platypus. and i also love that all the people uh in on lothal are just called loath humans loath humans loath humans yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh i don't know if this is going to be a trend or not i part of me hopes it is but like i took these top five like seriously and then i i would love if all of yours were continued to be not that that was like a joke completely, but like pretty tongue in cheek. It's tongue in cheek, but I will tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that they were called loath cats and loath wolves. And I just imagined to myself like loath whale. Yeah. You know, what would we see it if a bird flew by? Loath bird. Well, it's just a loath you know? bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at the loath worm. Well, I guess that's not that too, that weird because we have earthworms. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. I think I think that's our I think that's our trailer for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think that's the name for our episode. Lothworm. Earthworm. That's amazing. I love that. Okay. You you good with your number five? I'm good with my number five. All right. My number five is Kanan sacrificing himself. Uh, for for the crew. Yes. And so uh, you talked about this a little bit. Um, it's beautiful. It's really sad. Uh, I think it's one of the, probably one of the, probably like one of like two moments that like actually made me kind of tear up and cry. Wow. But it's, I mean, it's kind of out of nowhere. I mean, from the moment of like everything is just, you know, another typical like chase in this show of which there have been dozens to the point where it's like, oh, wow, this extremely major character is about to actually die is like a 10 or 15 second turnaround. So like yeah. it really is out of nowhere. But the really cool part about it, and you mentioned earlier, like finding this beautiful sort of meaning in it. Um, and I, I think we talked about this when you watch this episode, but his he's blind before this happens. But as he turns around to see Hera, who is his, um, you know, girlfriend, um, in the show, his, his eyes actually clear up and he, it's, Mm -hmm. it's made to symbolize that he can actually see her one last time, um, before he dies. 
and that the whole thing is just so spectacularly done. And of course, it's done in in this big sacrificial way, where by means of the of that explosion that also ends up killing him, they completely are able to shut down the production of of that Tie Fighter, ex, that experimental Tie Fighter on Lothal. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And one thing about Kanan's death is like you kind of refer- referenced it. You can see the foreshadowing of him dying coming because when he kisses, what's her name? Hera. When he kisses Hera and they say they love each other for the first time, mm-hmm. something like that. Right. Yeah. I was like, Oh man, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then like five seconds later he was dead. Like that sucked. Yeah. But it surprised me. I'm like, Oh, he's going to die in the finale. Oh, he's going to die in 10 episodes. Like, Nope, this is it. He's dead. Yeah. Come on now. But isn't, okay, here's the thing. Let me defend that decision because he dies with, I don't know the exact number, but I think somewhere between like three and five episodes left. Uh Uh-huh. And that forces Ezra into the spotlight. Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. Like, that's that's a pretty significant, that's a pretty cool... Thing. Like Ezra was never going to get to be the hero as long as Kanan was around. Yeah. It was like when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady stepped up to become the starting quarterback. It's not at all like that. I'm so sorry. It's not at all like that, actually. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe is still alive and well somewhere. <laughs> Anyways. When he got when Drew Bledsoe got blown up at a gas refinery, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. that was building some super military weapon. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Anyway, what's your number, number four? four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> number four, I have Lando. Hey, okay. Now, why do I have Lando there? I don't exactly know. I just think <laughs> Lando's the best. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest here. Lando in Rebels kind of sucked. I did not like him. Yep. He was a jerk. Not cool. Not a good guy. But do you know what? I like Lando. And when he showed up, I was like, yeah, Lando's here. I like Lando. Billy D. He's awesome. Great guy. Donald Glover. Also great. Childish Gambino. So seeing Lando like brought up lots of joy for me. Yeah. And then the rest of his time on the show was kind of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my number four. Awesome. My number four is... Uh, something that might surprise you that it's honestly this low on the list, but not my number four is the world between worlds. Okay. I think it's really cool. Like this is just a space to be really positive about it though. The the fact that it's on the list at all. Right. Uh, the world between worlds is crazy between. Ooh, I like that. The episode between episodes. I'm going to write a song about that. Okay. What are you gonna I'll call it the, the space between? You'll call it the space between. Okay, let's yeah. let's brainstorm a little bit. What's the song gonna like go like? What's it? What what's some of the lyrics? The space between. Okay, yeah, that's all I know about the song. To be honest, uh, same. Okay, go. Cool. <laughs> Glad we got that out of our system. So the world between worlds is, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the it's like this interdimensional inter you know time. It's a very Chris Nolan esque thing, right? But Mm. it's basically these pathways between different times in the Star Wars story. Um, As Ezra first gets into it and he's kind of walking around looking looking up at sort of this starry night kind of looking thing not the picasso painting but the just a literal starry night (laughs) that's van gogh i mean dang it van gogh (sighs) who's the expert now apprentice (laughs) okay Anyway, what I was saying was um, he's looking up at like the stars and whatever, and he's hearing he's hearing voices from around Star Wars canon, like Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and Yoda, like just, just a whole bunch of folks from past and present uh, and future, in fact, even in the Rebels time. I think Ray's voice is is among them. Oh, um, which is cool. So anyway, and it makes sense, right? Because like, because like, time isn't a thing in that zone. Uh, but yeah, the way that that plays all into um, 
you know, the bird is on the little doorway. He grabs Ahsoka mm-hmm. from the fight with Vader. And Just to clarify, was that a Loth bird or another bird? No, that's a that's not a, that bird is not native to Lothal. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 native to Mortis, so maybe it's like a Mortis bird. <laughs> a Mord bird. Mord bird. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, that brings up a good point that I forgot. Do you think like if there's a cat in Tatooine, do they call it a tat cat? <laughs> Folks, we will get to numbers three through one on a future episode, but I need to go barf. <laughs> I even have that joke written down in my notes. You did not. Oh, I have. Th- it says, James. Our cats on Tatooine called Tat Cats. I am. I, uh, I am somewhere between like ashamed and horrified. Wow, that's not a very good scale to be on. No. There's no good, there's no like happy spot between those two. I hope you're horrified. Okay. okay. (laughs) I don't really know. I don't know how to take that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the world between worlds is my number four. Mm. It's just a really cool, broad concept. I love, I love the fact that even though Star Wars has never, at least up until that time, had never dealt with like time travel, I just love how how much bigger that makes the whole the whole story so yeah i did not love the world between worlds yeah it was weird to me mm-hmm. i liked the not saving kanan part that mm-hmm. was gut-wrenching and when he saved ahsoka mm-hmm. from the vader fight thing i was like huh well what do you know what do you know? I could I can see you by yourself late at night on the couch yeah. <laughs> in in the dark. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I didn't think time travel was how she survived, but here we are. But but this, this is it. <laughs> and then you wrote down in your notes is a cat on tattooing called a tat cat. <laughs> that is the tat the the timeline right there. That's it. it. That's exactly how it worked. <laughs> um one more thing on the world between worlds um in the in the weeks preceding the release of episode 9 the rise of skywalker uh i think that it was among one of the top rumors on star wars reddit that the world between worlds was going to be the explanation for how palpatine returned in episode mm. 9 um i was never i i don't think a lot of people really ever would have liked that idea I was certainly rooting against that being the explanation, and it indeed was not the explanation. So that's a good thing. That's a positive. Um, but the yeah. explanation was that he was just alive. That he just didn't die, apparently. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, one interesting little tidbit to add on to the end of that one. There it is. I hope Disney uses the world between worlds to go back to after episode eight and redo episode. Nine. Anyways, <laughs> I recently rewatched episode nine and was not a fan on the second watch. Oh, uh, too bad. Number three. Are you ready? I'm ready. Blind Canaan. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, the first, is it two seasons where Canaan has his eyesight? Yep. And then he loses his eyesight when Maul smacks his face with a lightsaber. What a jerk. What a jerk. Very like strategic stop. To hitting him in the face, though. Right. To not, like, cut his brain off from the rest of his head. <laughs> maybe kind of him. Maybe mean. I don't know. You know, maybe he's just not strong enough. It's hard to get those thin lightsabers through people's eyes. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but up to that point, Kanan's kind of, like, he kind of bugged me. Sure. You know? He was just like, all right, dude, like, let Ezra do his thing. And then after he's blind and puts on the weird helmet thing, which like, I don't know why he put on a weird helmet thing over his eyes. That was weird to me. Uh-huh. But he became like this really wise, centered, balanced guy who actually helped Ezra out and did some really cool stuff and was like a super cool Jedi. And before then I was like, whatever, this Kanan dude, like if he were to die, I wouldn't be that sad. I'd be like, yeah, oh, what a shame. Yeah. But he did it and he was blind and he became awesome. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, James, do you know uh, do you know what that mask that he wears is from? 
Uh, oh, is that what Jedi's use when they're training and they're using those little floating ball things that shoot lasers? Actually, no. That's a that's a good guess, but no. Uh, uh, those close, <laughs> close. No, uh, those are the masks of ancient Jedi temple guards. So, how did I not know that? I don't know because the show does explain that, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> including and actually they show up in the clone wars but uh you know whatever can't blame you <laughs> i feel like you are blaming me <laughs> just a little bit just on the inside <laughs> and with your voice and your words and yes. your laughter and 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 the outside <laughs> <laughs> yeah anything else with kane and being blinded no, that's it. I got one little thing to add on to that, just that I think is cool. How cool is it that as they are, um, I guess the term wouldn't be filming that, but as they're animating, <laughs> as they're animating that, the the screen actually goes red for like a second. Yeah, and I like just pure bright red from edge to edge. And I remember like at the time watching that, going like, "Whoa! Like this is wild." Um, yeah. And it makes it feel more, um, I don't know, like typically like, if you're going to show that from like an outside perspective and you just see Kanan get like hit with it from a third person perspective, like it's still going to like hit and like matter and be like intense. But to have that screen go, it's almost like getting hit with like yeah. a flashbang, you know. I thought I got hit in the eyes with a lightsaber. I personally. Thought, I thought Darth Maul had blinded me. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't see. <laughs> I have an ancient Jedi temple guard mask. So James, remember that part in the episode when the screen goes red and your entire world and vision since the time you saw that episode is still just red? How can I forget? I still can't see a thing. All I see is red still. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, there there you go. All right. My number three. Um, this is probably uh this is this might be the most like oddball kind of arbitrary sounding in fact three and two for me are very very minor moments that i think mean a lot i mean they obviously mean a lot i'm putting them this high on my list um number three for me is when zeb and callus are marooned in that ice cave you've got your mm -hmm. arms up that's my number two Ooh. Ooh, wow. So we can combine these because they're back to back. Okay, good, 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 good. Um, so yeah, for this moment for me, like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, the the development that goes on here is so good because of how you have Zeb as um a member of a species that is thought to be extinct, literally and personally, because of the actions of Callus. This imperial, you know, captain that led this fight on this world that Zeb had been from. And coming into this episode, they have mentioned multiple times in the show the fact that they they hate each other. Um, you know, Zeb is kind of has like this PTSD almost, like when he when he sees Callus or hears about him, because he just thinks this is the man that like killed everybody that I know. Um, and then Callus has always been, no pun intended, I think this is probably actually intended, but Callus has been Callus um, to sort of that, that emotion. And like every time he sees Zeb, he's just like, oh, he's filth and worthless and, you know, you're going to be dead soon too. And, but then they get to this moment, they're both marooned in this, in this like isolated it's it's inside of a cave it's cold and in fact callus had broken his leg or something like that and so they're they're just they're stuck together and you get this entire episode where they it humanizes both of them so well um you start to see reverence in, for each other in both of them in just these very slight ways and it's obvious that neither of them want to give away the fact that they're feeling anything for the other person they even have to fight together against that monster that's in the caves. And then at the very end of the episode, like they help each other out of the cave. They get picked up by their respective sides. Um, and then it shows at the end of the episode, like each of them back with their groups. 
and like their groups are like bad mouthing the other side and you know bad you know the rebels are like oh callous and you see this face on on zeb of like well and then you hear the imperials bad mouthing the rebels and you see this face on callous like well <laughs> so anyway <laughs> this the whole episode is just it's a sincere like masterclass of storytelling and like character development um that is so far above and beyond what you would expect from a Disney Channel cartoon. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, I thought it was great. And that's why I put it at my number two is, um, I mean, I guess just to, the only thing that I can add on top of it is maybe more than any other episode, I found myself like glued to that one from start to finish. And it felt like the first time for me in the whole series where it was like, oh, there's some cool moments in this show to like, oh, I like this show. Mm. I want more of this. Like, I wish there was more of that. And I don't even know what that is Sure. Um, to, to the entire series. But I thought that it was amazing from start to finish. Love it. Yeah. So that's your number two. That's my number two. So now okay. it's time for your number two. <laughs> Grow up, dude. Stop giggling. I have a perfectly straight face right now. No, you're laughing. I can see it. You can't see me. This is a podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My number two. <laughs> James. James. Grow up. The second item on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. 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 All right, You're going to think this is this is this is another like out of nowhere kind of pick. It's Twin Sons. So Twin Sons is the episode where with the tat cat. With the t- there's no tat cat <laughs> in it actually, but Maul is led to Tatooine uh by Ezra in fact with the two holocrons coming together. We finally see like Obi-Wan in the flesh in this episode. The two of them spar and Obi-Wan is like, uh, I almost said Obi-Wan is killed. Uh, Obi-Wan kills Maul like once and for all. And what's amazing, okay, there's so many things at play in this, and I, I won't get like too deep, but like I just want to focus on like two things. Number one is the lightsaber choreography itself. There's this long buildup to sort of this, the, the actual action and the sparring itself. But the sparring by itself is very short. It's a very short fight before Maul is is killed. And there's just a, I won't go into the details because I don't even honestly like remember them. But the the way that they change sort of their starting poses is reactionary to each other. And so mm. from my, from my memory, and I could be wrong on this, Obi Wan starts off with the pose or sort of the stance that Qui Gon Jinn had when he initially fought Darth Maul because of the double blades. Maul gets into his stance, which is the same one, and then Obi-Wan realizes, wait a second, this dude killed Qui-Gon, so then Hmm. he responds with his... He actually changes his stance and then is victorious. So anyway, that's a really subtle, really cool detail. The second thing to focus on is the dialogue after Darth Maul is hit. Darth Maul falls into Obi-Wan's arms... And they actually articulate, right? You're, you're, well, they say before the fight, uh, you know, you're, you're here for something. No, you're here for someone. And that's what gets Obi-Wan to ignite his lightsaber. He's obviously protecting Luke. As Maul is dying, he asks him, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan says, yes. And then Maul says, he will avenge us. Hmm. And there's just, I mean, it's just so good. That's so well done through, like, that's one of the very few moments in either the Clone Wars or Rebels that can actually tie a thread through the whole saga. Mm. And it's, it's, it's just perfect. And then, yeah. I, and then I love the way that that episode ends, which is sort of the next morning, it's assumed, um, where Obi-Wan is actually on a, he's riding a Blurg, which are the animals that are also in Mandalorian, those two-legged things. And he's looking over the Lars homestead 
and he hears Aunt Ruth calling like Luke, <laughs> you know, and you've got the twin sons, you got the sunrise, and then you see this little like he's a kid, but you see him running across the desert, and you you know it's Luke. You don't get a good look at him in Rebels, but just to see him at all, it just it's so good. It's so good. That's that's my that's my second best moment of the show. Yeah, and what I love about the He Will Avenge Us is like Maul is also a victim of the dark side as well. Yes. Yeah. Just tying that all together of like, yeah, there we go. The chosen one there to save everybody. Yeah. Even people who chose the dark side and were broken by it. Yeah. There's more to that, but we won't go into that right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. It's so good, man. Yeah. I've got a feeling that our number ones are the same thing. I think I know what your number one was. Oh, man. Okay. So I pivoted. <gasps> you did? Yeah. Oh, man. And I hope it's not a disappointment to you. No, I'm not. No. I'm My number one is the show's number one, the first episode of the series. Okay. Now, I don't remember much about the plot. I don't know. I just remember this punk kid running around. I'm like, who is that? I called him Aladdin because it felt like the opening scenes of Aladdin with him like running <laughs> around in the streets, all that stuff. But I loved the first episode of the series because after watching through all of the Clone Wars, which is all very prequel trilogy in terms of the imagery and the mm-hmm. music and the icons that are in there, all of that stuff, it makes this shift to the original trilogy with the original trilogy music and you have stormtroopers not clones which like look distinctly different and like kind of that glossy shine on the stormtroopers uniforms and vader shows up and the tie fighters and all of that where it was just like oh and it was like this excitement that welled up in me and it's a feeling that i compare to like the first time i watched the force awakens where they use that same imagery Mm -hmm. too where i was like oh this is fun like, this is awesome. I love that original trilogy. It made me feel like I was a little kid again. I was fired up to watch the show. And I don't think that any moment of this series matched the moment or the feeling that I had watching the first episode wow. of the show. That is a pivot. But I, 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 I unironically love that. Like, that, that is true in the sense, and like, like I'll seriously affirm this, that the show nails the, the era, right? Mm-hmm. The the music, uh, the imagery, the machinery, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, to hear to hear the Tie Fighters, you know, yeah, yeah. flying by, like it's it's perfect. Like this is what it is. It does a great job of world building. I think seeing sort of this this not budding empire, but this this spreading empire, um, sort of conquering and trying to rule over, you know, this. Uh, people that, do, that don't like that. Anyway, it's so good at all of that stuff. Nope. Yeah. And number one. Number one for me, you know what it is. It is The Twilight of the Apprentice. And so this is, that's the name of the episodes. It's the two-part season finale of season two. This is where uh, they get word of a Sith super weapon. On Malachor, they go there. It's this desolate, um, actually kind of destroyed planet. They go in that sort of underground-looking area, and this is where they find Maul. Uh, there's a lot that happens in this moment, but in this in these episodes. But I'll just try to bullet point what what all happens. Uh, Maul finds Ezra and begins to kind of. Uh, seduce him to to let him into the Sith temple that's down there. You see all of these almost like Pompeii, like these these human shapes that are like cast in in like ash from the weapon going off. Oh, that's right. Right from this massive battle that had taken place that has scorched this planet. Um, in fact, they call it like the scourge of Mal or like. I think the Scourge of Malachor was the name of the event. I'm not really sure. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not really sure, but I'll say it. Whatever. It's something like that. Anyway, <laughs> um, you've got Ahsoka and uh, Kanan uh, knowing that they have to, um, you know, shut down the weapon. And then, like, as they're climbing this temple, they you start to introduce these uh, three Inquisitors 
it's in various fights with them that literally all three of those very big up until this point in the show, big inquisitors actually all are killed. And this is also where Kanan is blinded. Uh, it gets further up and eventually uh, Ahsoka reaches the top of the temple uh, with Ezra. And then who do we introduce but Darth Vader, who's descending while standing on top of his TIE fighter just to flex that he can. <laughs> and then this is the huge moment. This is like the 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 climax of all of this. But it's it's Vader seeing Ahsoka for the first time since he turned to the dark side back in like episode three. So it's been, you know, over a decade since these two had seen each other, you know, former master, former apprentice and the dialogue between them, like, I don't want to read, I don't even want to look up or read the whole like dialogue, but the way that goes back and forth with like Ahsoka is not going to give up on Anakin but Anakin refuses to join her or, or to step down from his power. And even in the midst of this fight where Ahsoka, you know, slashes through part of his helmet, you see Anakin's eye turn blue. He says Ahsoka's name and then his eye turns yellow and then he ignites his lightsaber again. Like it's just it's it's so much. It's so much going on. I mean, and it, again, this is one of those moments that strings together way beyond Rebels. I've been talking too long about this, but I, <laughs> I, I seriously have to just say this moment is my favorite moment in all of Star Wars canon. All of it. All of it. Put it up against any moment in any of the movies. Yeah, there's, there's too much going on here, and it is so well executed. Wow. Yep. 100%. Better than I love you. I know. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I mean, it was a great episode. And I think if I close my eyes and like if you ask me to recap any one episode or plot of two episodes, that's the one that I can say the most clearly. I think that's the one where like from beginning to end, I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Right. And then not to mention, too, for what it's worth, the episode ends kind of ambiguously. You think Ahsoka might actually be killed by Vader for, for at least a bit because the temple kind of closes with them behind it. At the end of the episode, you see Ahsoka walking out, so you know that she's alive. But then it's not until the world between worlds, like we mentioned earlier, where Ezra actually saves her from another time from what would have been a fatal blow by Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like the way that that all fits together isn't revealed for uh, literally years in, in both the timeline and in human viewership time. Mm. It's, it's great. It's great. When they wrote that, they said, it's mm. going to be great. Dave Filoni was like, you know, this is going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, that's a pretty good list for both. I mean, both of us. Yeah, especially the loath stuff. I think the loath stuff is my new number one, though. I mean, after hearing <laughs> you talk about it a little bit. Everything else is off my list, and it's the loath stuff. Yeah. And the tat cat. There's one thing in the back of my head right now that I feel like I should acknowledge. Is Twilight of the Apprentice better than I Am Your Father? Because <laughs> I did say... We can go back and check the tapes. I did say better than any moment in any of the movies. Mm -hmm. You did say that. The fact that that's even a question. I don't think that's a question. It, it is for me. It is for you. Yeah. For, for me, it's not. See, here, here's the reason why it is for me. The reason that The reason that Twilight of the Apprentice is such a big deal is because of all the context of all of the saga of the Clone Wars and the prequels and the original trilogy, like how all that ties together. But if you're if you're coming at this judgment with all of that in mind, Luke, I am your father is not a twist anymore. And that's the power of that moment. Now, it's still a powerful moment to know that that's when Luke realizes that Vader is his father. But I don't know. Like, it's just... 
it's it's kind of impossible to judge. And maybe I'm going too far to say that it's better than that. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, there's something beautiful and it ties in together like in Return of the Jedi, like the redemption of Vader, mm-hmm. like the humanity of Anakin is still there. And Luke's insistence on not giving up on Anakin yeah, makes more sense in that light. It does. You know what's really beautiful too is that in the Rebels epilogue, you know, Ahsoka and Sab- actually Sabine is narrating it, but Ahsoka is in that epilogue. That epilogue takes place after Return of the Jedi. Oh. And I wonder if, like, this isn't shown in episode six because Ahsoka wasn't a character that was created for like 30 more years. But <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I hope canonically somehow they can give, maybe it's in a comic book or something, where like Ahsoka is somewhere and she feels like Anakin's presence for the first time since she's on her way to Mandalore or on her way from Mandalore. That'd be so cool. That'd be rad. Yeah. Write it. All right. I'm on it. Rebels 2. I'm going to call Dave Filoni. Share my terms. It must feature a tat cat. (laughs) Yes. Two tat cats. A Dagobah dog. Dagobah. Every day you don't meet my demands. I add another tat cat to my demands. <laughs> Destroy the Shield Generator is created by Joseph Jasper and James Walker. Our theme music is produced by Roy Thompson, who's better known as Royish Good Looks. You can support him through the links in our show notes. Join us next time on Destroy the Shield Generator. But until then, always remember... It's going to be great. <laughs>